Good morning, Cornerstone. How's everyone? Very good. <laughs> You're good too. I'm so thankful to be here this morning. It is always a privilege and a joy in my heart to be able to stand and talk about my Jesus to anyone who will sit and listen. This is the second group of people that will listen. I'm going to have another group at 1.30 this afternoon in Espanol who will listen too. It is a privilege and an honor, and it places upon me a huge responsibility to reveal what God has for us. And I want to talk about that this morning in a very specific way. And I was sitting here thinking, I'm overwhelmed with the singing this morning and thinking of the unity. This whole, this whole series is about unity in Christ. It's about, it's about us coming together as the church family and being united in this bond. And the bond that ties us together is Jesus Christ himself, the blood that he shed for us. It was bought at a price, a very high price for us. And I was thinking of the singing and the songs going up to us, and I go, what a sweet melody that is. When we all sing together, and we're singing wholeheartedly, and our voices are blending, and it's being offered up to heaven itself. It's a unified expression of saying, God is alive, he is real, Jesus is real, and he is here at this time. And I think so often that, I mean, it is such a blessing from what we have in Christ Jesus that many times instead of just being so bold about it, maybe we should be more and more like this, coming up before our God on our knees and saying, God, you have been so good to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that I have in you. Today, I want us to unite together in the bond of unity in what the Bible teaches about marriage. I want us to think on these scriptures and I want us to place them in our hearts and I want us to be people of the word, people of the book, people that march forward in one mind, one heart for Jesus Christ. Now that's not easy. And there's a model that is placed by Paul himself that tells us how to act when it comes to marriage. And I want you to open your Bibles right now to Ephesians chapter five. We're gonna get into the word. And I'm going to just warm up just a little bit as we get into Ephesians chapter 5 and starting in verse 1. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, you are mighty and powerful in every way. You have given us so much, Father. In you we have everything. Father God, in you we have everything. You have given us life and happiness and peace. Through the good times and the bad, Father, you are there. Your love is consistent and true. And Father, you are always a part of us wherever we go because you've placed within us your spirit. I pray, Father, that your spirit fills this place, Father, that our hearts be one, that there will be a peaceful attitude, that our lives will be real before Jesus Christ who gave up everything for us. As we open your word today, may it impress upon our hearts how we are to live for you. And I pray, God, that this will be a day where we give our lives into your hands like every day. It's through Jesus I pray. Amen. I want to start off by saying Happy Mother's Day. I did say that earlier. And just as um, Chris said, from me to you, I want to say Happy Mother's Day. I'm glad that you're here today. How many mothers we have? Raise your hands. We got some grandmothers too? Yes, all right, very good. Praise God for the grandmothers. Thank God for mothers, right, right men? Amen, yeah. Okay, we got mothers here. And you know, I, my mom was in the hospital uh, this, this year, about two and a half months ago. She was in the hospital for about a week and a half. She had open heart surgery. She's 78 years old. And praise God, I know people here have been praying for her. I can say before this congregation that she is up and walking and moving about. And um, she is driving to the store. She is she's walking 15 minutes a day. So, I mean, she's just doing everything the doctor asked her to do. And she called me up yesterday and she said, you know, um, I, 
I'm, I'm having a little pain in my leg from walking too much. And I go, well, praise God, because you're out there walking. And she said, and I overdid it on Friday, and I'm not feeling too good today. And I said, you know, that's going to happen. She said, yeah, the doctor said it's going to take six months. And I'm looking at her going, man, Mom, you are amazing what happened. God is amazing. What a blessing. I mean, you're out doing everything you were doing before this surgery, and now you're up and walking and, and going about and yeah, it's going to take a while to fully, fully recover. And that's what the doctors are saying. But I have a blessing in a mother. She loves the Lord. She has a huge church family that's watching out for her and praying for her and taking care of her. And we just thank God for our moms. What a blessing she's been in my life. And I, I, I come to this text thinking of what God has done for me in my life. Because in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4... In Ephesians 1 through 3, um, Paul explains some pretty lofty, beautiful things that come out of this text that we are people and children of God who are blessed. We have been lavished upon by the grace and mercy that comes from God. We have every spiritual blessing that is in Christ Jesus. We have the hope of eternity. We have been adopted. We have been sealed. We walk in the Spirit. He stays on this level, and then he gets to chapter 4, and five, and he starts talking about how we apply that to our lives. This passage is right in the heart of application. So now we're looking at application. In Ephesians chapter five, it talks about, um, verse one, it talks about being imitators of God. He starts right off by saying, this is how you will apply all the things that I've just taught to you. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So how are we to live our lives? How are we to put all these wonderful blessings into our walk before God? And the Apostle Paul here says clearly, you're to imitate God. You're to follow after him. You're to be God-like in your Christian walk. You are to give up and be sacrificial in the way that you walk. Notice what he says, and walk in love. Everything about you is about love. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the center of us because Christ is at the core of who we are. It is Jesus that gives us this ability to love. He says, because he gave himself up. We love because he first loved us, the Bible teaches us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. That's who Jesus was as he gave himself up. May we as the church, as Cornerstone Church in Moore Park, California, be a church that is a fragrant offering up before the Lord. May the unity that exists within us is a beautiful thing before God. May his majesty be revealed in who we are and how we, how we behave. May God be at the center and the core of who we are. So Paul compels them to walk and live the life. Be like Jesus. Live like Jesus. Commit your lives like Jesus. Submit like Jesus. The concept of giving it all up is very real and very powerful in this message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, the Bible teaches this, in accordance to what Jesus has done for us, and remember, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So everything that we are to do is to give glory and honor to God. We say that effortlessly. We say it in church. But how do we truly live it in our lives? God calls us to live it out in our lives, to give ourselves to him in such a way that our lives will be an honor and glory to him. And he says, there, it came with a heavy price for you were bought with a price, so glorify your body in it. So it's not just my spirit, my soul, and my mind, but now comes into play my body. My body is to be a testament of his will activated into my life. 
that I am living out and being called by the Spirit of God each and every day. We find out what the Spirit of God teaches through his word. And as we live out the pages of God's word in our life, we will be a testament to this world. For you are salt and light to the world. You, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. We brightly shine to all those who are around us because we are not living like this culture. In fact, the words here that Paul is saying is that we are living counter-culturally. He's saying that to the Ephesians, he's saying it to us, and 2,000 years later, we can apply it just like the Ephesians did, that they were living in a world with all its smuck and sin and sexual desires, and yet they turned from all that and they took on the glory of God. They took on this idea of submitting and committing themselves to Jesus Christ. So that whole concept is a mindset that not only we take from our mind, we take it to our hearts and then to the way we live our lives and how we take care of our bodies. So God is revealed in what we say and do. In Ephesians 5, 16, the Apostle Paul says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the best use of your time because the days are evil. I believe we can agree with this text, am I right? I think we live in a time like this where we could say this verse is applicable to the time that we live in right now. That we live in a time where the days are evil. Make the most use of your time. And listen to what Paul says. When you do that, be wise in it. Make things count in your life. Take time to make things count in your life. Take time to plan. Many people don't plan out what they're going to do in their lives. They just kind of let it happen. But as children of God, let's take a plan. Let's let God's plan become who we are and what we are to become in, this, in the future of our lives. So make things count is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He goes on in 17 through 20, talking about God and Christ and living in the Spirit and thinking, uh, thinking about God, praising his name, being thankful, and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to him. So it's a glory to God, the lifestyle. This is a model, so to speak. This is the way it could be if we want it to be. This is the way it should be if we live our lives for Jesus every day. But yet, if you're like me, you know there's a struggle here. There's a constant battle that goes on. There's a tug of war, so to speak, that goes on between my inner life, how God would like for me to be, and how I would like for me to be. And I constantly wage war within that. The mindset that I have to release is that mindset of the world. The mindset that I have to receive is that mindset of Christ. This passage tells us to receive the mindset of Christ. Now, Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 5:21. The Bible teaches us a blueprint to live by. Something that instructs us here that is so vitally important to the body of Christ. It says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what am I doing? I am going to submit myself to you. Now why? With all good reason would I do that? Why would I submit myself to you? Why would I give you my time? Why would I say you are more important to me? Well, quite frankly, it is because I revere Christ Jesus. At the center and core of everything that I would do would be to glorify God, to let him be the number one person in my life, that he takes precedence over my thoughts and my desires. And I say, no, I'm going to submit my will to him, and I'm going to therefore submit to you. I'm going to be submissive to you in a way that I'll be here for you. I'll serve for you. We see that lived out in our life groups. We see that lived out in our personal relationships between one another in the family of God. But brothers and sisters, and that's who we are in Christ, you know, Brothers and sisters, we are here as a family, 
connected to one another by the unity of the Spirit of God. And there is a vital connection. It is a godly connection. And it is a connection that brings us so close to one another if we allow it to, that we will submit to one another. We will help one another out. We'll be there for one another. We will lead one another and others will be led. Um, I will lead you, you will lead me, and I will say yes. I'm ready. I'm help. I want to be a help to you and your family. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is a very important thing. In fact, we see that in the life of Christ Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus came to this world, and this is what he said while he was on earth, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus Christ himself is one who submitted. He came to serve, the Bible teaches us. He submitted to others. He was there performing miracles. That was a part of his service. He fed the poor. That was another part of his service. He was hands-on, ready to do whatever it took. He was there teaching and, and, and ministering to people. Thousands and thousands of people came before Jesus and were healed. We can't even number the amount of people that saw Jesus Christ and received a miracle in his life. And we sang that song this morning, I am coming to you now. Jesus is coming to us and we are going to him. He's receiving us and we are receiving him. In my submission to him, he is lifting me up. He is the head of this body and we are his people. Are you tracking with me? Are you with me this morning? Jesus is the one, okay? Jesus is the only one, and we gotta keep him at the center and forefront of our life. And now through the warm-up, I think we're ready for the next scripture. The next scripture in verse 22 says something that is a very important and valued, a popular text about marriage and also a very controversial text about marriage because there's probably, as many people in this room, there are many different ideas about what this says. But I want us to read this with all full assurance that we are one in Christ and we understand what Paul is getting at in this passage. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24, the Bible says, wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now that's a powerful text. It's also a difficult text, and it's hard to hear. We don't live in a society that readily accepts this. In fact, some people may be saying, Oh, do you go to a church that, that follows that Bible that says this? And you might say, well, I don't know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but God is calling us to take on his entire message, his entire word. And the word means what it says. And it strikes a chord within us in a good way or a, a negative way. It could have good connotations or negative connotations depending on where our mindset is at. But you have to realize that the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 21, has just said that everybody is to have a submissive mind. That everybody in the body of Christ is to be willing to go the extra mile. Everybody in the, in the church should be willing to give more. Because that is what Christ calls us to. And so in the marriage, it's the same way. And here, in this passage, it says... Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, what does that mean? I think this is a difficult thing and a difficult question and many times foreign to many people. But it is the character, I want you to say, of a redeemed woman. Submission is not as much as an action as it is as an attitude. The action follows, but the attitude, the heart, is what it's saying. It's someone who is receptive Someone who is responsive, someone who is re agreeable to their husband as head 
of the family. And the Bible teaches that the husband is head of the family. It gives a good reason. First, it says that Christ is the head of the church, for the husband is the head of the wife. He makes that comparison between Christ and church, husband and wife. And he's not talking about something um, that there is an inequality here. He's talking more of a functional difference between the two. It's a role that we have. And with each role becomes this very, very beautiful thing and also a very important responsibility to be fulfilled. So call, God calls us to a, a, a role in leading as men and women as being leadable. That might be a, a great understanding of this passage, that the women are being led by godly men and they are leadable not rebellious in any way. The body, the body um, of Christ functions in this manner, that Christ is the head of the church, and he and is himself the Savior. Now the church submits to Christ, and also wives should submit in everything. Now I want to say this before I go any further. This is absolutely a model for the Christian marriage. This is, this is a good model, it's a solid model. It's a very scriptural model, and it is backed up throughout the scriptures. There's nothing here that we can give or take away to this passage, but I want to say something here, very importantly in my own life, is that my wife and I have been together for 35 years. I got married at a very young age. I was 19 years old, and this morning what I wanted to have to do is to have a deer in a headlights picture so you could look up there and see what I kind of looked like on the day of my marriage. <laughs> and if you were to compare the deer in the headlight to me getting married, it would be one and the same. I was clueless of what I was getting into. Do you think there were some difficulties in our marriage over 35 years? Yeah, we have seen everything together. We've experienced everything together, and we, we actually now call it, I'm, I don't even want to say this, but I'm going to just say it. We, we, we call areas of our lives chapters. Oh, remember that chapter in our life? Do you guys do that? It's terrible. Okay, when you're younger, you're not going to do that. You're going to build up some years, and you'll start calling, you may do it, you may not, but that's what we do. But anyway, there has been some chapters in our marriage that we don't want to open up again and we don't want to look at again. They were not very good. They, they were dark. In fact, they would be the black chapters. And, and we don't want to go there. And we've had ups and downs all the way through. There's been good times and hard times all the way through. And my wife and I have been wanting more than anything to put Christ at the head. The one thing that kept us together is to Give Christ precedence in who we are. And that always seemed to just drive us down the right path. We, did, we didn't have all the answers. And I don't think we still do. But we still look to God for answers. And we still try to follow him. The Bible is not saying here that submission is inequality. It's saying it is not. It is not inequality. In Galatians chapter 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Nothing is more damaging, this is what I want to say to the women, and under this idea of following and, and being led by a godly man, I want to say this, that nothing is more damaging to your man by than disrespecting him. Disrespecting your man is probably one of the worst things that you could possibly do. And I want to tell you right now, I could not be up here if my wife was disrespectful to me on a regular basis. It's a terrible thing when a woman berates her man. He, it, it tears him down, emasculates him, nags him. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 19, it said, it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. You know what? The Pro In Proverbs, they had it right. 
You know, it's just kind of better just to go out in a desert and die than to be with someone that's going to rob you of your energy. Women, don't rob your man of their energy. Don't strip away what God has already designed them to be. You need to be the woman in their life that builds him up. You say, well, that's just not my idea of what it is. But you see, coming alongside, being gentle, being respectful to your husband is living out Christ in your marriage relationship. You see, I do this to others. Have you ever treated someone else better outside your family than you treated inside your family? Okay, admit it. Come on, we've done this. And I know, I know you've done that. So you go, man, I just treated that person probably the way my wife needs to be treated. We need to treat each other with utmost respect. It's not like a 50-50 give and take all the way through. I think we thought about that at one time in our life. But being married is not a 50-50 give and take. Being married is 110% and 110% giving. And if she can't give, I'm going to keep giving. Why? Because I'm going to lead it. I'm going to initiate it. I'm going to be the one that is there for her, loving her and caring for her. The Bible also says in Proverbs 27, 15, here's another one, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. (laughs) Nothing is more damaging for a man who lives with a woman who consistently and emotionally berates him. This damage This damage is God's design for the marriage. This damage is what you were given to do by God himself. So women, por por favor. I'm going to speak this in another one. Por favor. Con mucho respeto. Siguen adelante. Okay, so let your man lead in the church. Let your man lead in the home. Be there for him. Listen to him. Respect him. I remember one time that we, my wife and I, were preparing. At one time, we lived in Mexico City as as missionaries. We lived down there for eight years. But prior to that, we did a lot of training, and we were in a camp for training where we were getting prepared to go to a mission destination. And we had chosen as a team Mexico City at that time. And we have been um, putting all our interest, all our investment, all our time in preparing ourselves. We went to psychological testing. We went through all these things to prepare us to be team players on this team that was destined to Mexico City. Well, during that time, something happened to our family that I thought was going to change our lives completely. Janet and I, we got pregnant. And that began, I didn't know at the time, but I kept going along like green light, thumbs up, we're still going, everything's on board, everything's great, I'm excited, I'm passionate. And then one day, Janet comes to me with tears in her eyes, and she's saying, I don't think I can do this. I don't think this is the timing for us. As she got more and more pregnant, she started thinking about how it would be to raise a baby outside. This was Whitney, if you know Whitney. How outside, she, um, outside in another um, country and what it would be like. She had a lot of fears. She had a lot of thoughts. She was allowing those thoughts to... to to give her an insecurity about us going to another country. I didn't know all that at the time. She talked to me one day, and we talked many hours about this. And I remember finally coming to a conclusion. And I got down on my knees, and I grabbed my wife's hands, and I told her, I said, you know, if this isn't for us, we're not going to do it. Because God is number one. We're, we have to do where God is leading us. And we prayed. 
A little bit later, some time went by and she came to me and she said, you know, I want to go. And she didn't tell me for years later. She said, it wasn't until I saw what you were willing to do for me that made me want to do for you what you wanted to do. And I was thinking, I didn't know that. But I think I was led by God to do that. And we ended up going and spending eight years of our life in Mexico City. And it came with a lot of self-sacrifice and a lot of giving up. And Whitney was raised in Mexico City for the first eight years of her life. But I say that to say this, and I think um, Priscilla Shirer has it right when she said this about this relationship thing. The, rep the repercussions of him knowing that you believe in him and doesn't want to control him, but, but want to honor him and place faith in him, the repercussions will come back on you a hundredfold. I think that's right. Because we have been blessed time and time again, not by following our desires, but by following what Christ would have us do in our lives. And wouldn't you agree that every time you submit to the will of God, you receive a blessing? Every time you bow to him, you are blessed. The Bible teaching, teaching here is about being blessed. It's about following in the way of God. It's, a, it's, it's the natural thing to do when you are redeemed by a savior so big and powerful as he is. He's gonna bless you in following after him. In Ephesians chapter 5, 25 through 30, now here are the husbands. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk a little bit to men right now to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. So husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. You know, I said earlier, I, I couldn't be here. My wife is receiving the reciprocation of her love. I, I, anything that I do in my life with a good positive vibe to it is because I'm being blessed by a woman behind me. She is making it better every day in her words and how she chooses to speak to me. So the encouragement from your wives, let's, cap let's, let's caps capsulize that, that, that it's gonna go a long way in your lives, men. Receive it, listen to it, take her opinion and do what you need to do with that, but take her opinion and live by it. Live true to your woman. And here, men, there are a lot of things that the Lord expects of us. We need to love our wife, and notice how we are to love our wives, by sacrifice. Notice what Jesus did. He was the initiator. He went to the cross, is what it says. How did he love the church? How did he give himself up? How does he present the bride before God as clean and spotless, sanctified? How does God do that? How does Jesus do that for us? Well, he sacrificed. It came at a heavy price. You were not bought. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. The price was Jesus and what he did for us to get us to the place where we can be presented how could I in any way think that I could be presented before God without Christ in my life? There's nothing I could do that would, that would match what Jesus has done for me. So here's the heavy responsibility for us men. We are to be sacrificial lovers and leaders in the home. Initiate. Didn't Jesus initiate it for us? We are to initiate it in the house. I'm saying 110%, constant, true, consistent, 
that we are there for the family, we're there for our wives, that we love them, that we love them like Christ loves us. Men, you want to be honored in the home? You want to be respected in the home? You have to do this. Put your foot forward. Say, I love you. Say, I care for you. Say, I want to be there for you. How can I be there for you, honey? Do the dishes. Okay, I'll go do the dishes. It's not that hard. Doing dishes is easy. It's much easier than doing them in the desert. (laughs) I'm not going to go do dishes in the desert. So I'd much rather, I'd much rather say, honey, I'm there for you. I'm here to serve. It doesn't matter what you want me to do. Do you know what? The repercussions, as Priscilla uh, Priscilla Shire said, comes back a hundredfold. It really does. Great things begin to happen. Joy is in the house. There's fun and pleasure, and we're laughing and having fun because we're doing what Christ asked us to do. Someone once said, no woman wants to be in submission to a man who isn't in submission to God. I say this because I understand what it means to be overbearing. I understand what it means to say things I shouldn't have said. Remember, I was that deer in the headlights when I got married. When I was 19 years old, I was raised with two other brothers. We had no idea what a girl thought at all. My mom was constantly upset at us. She was a single mom raising us at home. I mean, we were in fights. One day, my brother tried to hurt me in the hallway on the way to the bathroom. He kicked at me. I jumped out of the way, and he put a hole in the wall. I embellished how terrible he was when my mom came home, and she made him fix that hole in the wall, and I think she hired the most expensive repairman in town. So he had to pay for that at 14 years old. But life, in my life, we didn't think like, like uh, there was another woman in the world. I met my wife, and she knew how rough I was. We, met, we were around for an hour, I mean a, a year. It seemed like an hour. No, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> one year. And uh, she was raised with two sisters. So she's very feminine, very loving, caring, all the good little things that go along with girls at home. And a uh, loving mother and great family. And then we come together, and man, it's like Clash of the Titans, you know? Boom! I mean, here's, here's this guy who's overbearing and pretty much is thinking of himself most of the time, and my wife who thinks maybe she just needs to do what I say all the time. Well, one day she walked in the house after work, and I was standing, I was in my apartment, and she was coming through the door, and I must have said something to her, and honestly, to this day, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I do remember saying something in an overbearing, terrible way that I probably did at times when I was at that age. And um, I remember my wife, she must have had enough of it. And she looked at me and up went her leg. And she took off her high heel shoe (laughs) and she whipped that high heel shoe at me. And it was like your mind breaks it down into slow motion. And it's like flying through the air. And not only did that shoe hit me, the heel of that shoe hit me right in the chest. I think I can still feel that pain right now. As that, as that thing hit me, what did I do? The idiot that I was, I laughed. And I was very impressed at her arm, being able to throw. What an arm, you know? And this, this lady can nail me from 20 feet away with her shoe. Who did I marry? So I started laughing. And things got worse, of course. (laughs) And I said that we cannot be overbearing to our wives. If that was continuing in my relationship to my wife, you think we'd still be together? No. I had to grow up. Life had to change as we knew it. And Jesus Christ led us to that. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says, Do nothing from selfish ambition, or conceit, but in humility count others more insignificant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Maybe you're a 
a man who is unmotivated and you haven't taken the initiative. initiative. Here is a passage here that, that causes us to take initiative that, that, that says, hey, there's something I can do. I can remove pride. I can remove selfishness from my life and I'm gonna take the initiative to live for my family, to, to love my wife the way Christ loves the church. And this is the attitude that we should have. But to think of the needs of others and to care for others and to allow that to be a mandate in our lives, that we're living by this. So there are things that we need to do. We need to be motivated men. We can't be couch potatoes. We can't sit and watch sports on TV while everything in, in the home is going on. We have to be able to sacrifice and give it up for our wives and be there for them and lead them, lead the family, lead the family spiritually. You say, well, I don't really know the word. I don't know what I can do in that. There's a lot of things that can be done. It's, it's very simple. There's books out there that can just be read. There's, there's, there, you can just sit and say, hey, what do you think about this passage? Tell me what you think. Just ask a simple question. Let's pray. You could read a verse of scripture and say, let's pray. But let's lead the home. Let's lead the home spiritually. Let's say that Jesus Christ is the center of this family. Jesus Christ is the center of this marriage. This is why I live here. This is who I am. This is why I'm on this planet. I married you. I love you. And I'm willing to sacrifice for you. You're more important. Your needs are more important than my needs. Notice what he says about humility and the interests of others. Christ Jesus himself was an amazing example of humility. In fact, the Bible says that God hates pride and we need to cast pride far from our lives to remove it from our lives and, um, and to live for Jesus Christ and allow him to be evident in our lives. A relationship in a marriage is so important. In Proverbs 12, verse four, the Bible says, an excellent wife is the crown for, of her husband. Are you coming alongside your wives and helping your wife to grow in all the areas of life that she needs to grow? Are you there for her? Your wives, are you there for your husbands as a helper and a lover to help him grow in the areas that he needs to grow? So this is what we are to think about when it comes to loving Jesus and living out Christ in our family. In Philippians chapter two, verses six through eight, and I'll go through some of these quickly, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The idea of Jesus being the head of the church was a huge sacrifice. And in calling a man head over his wife is a huge sacrifice, a giving up, so to speak. Something that we are saying that I'm willing to die for you. I'm laying, I'm laying it all down for you right now. You are so important to me. I'm just going to give it all up to you. It is a sacrifice. It's a willingness. If I want to present my wife beaming and radiant, how am I going to do that? I can't do it with a demanding spirit. I can't be an overbearing man. I can't be this slug of a husband that she used to know. I'm going to have to change. I'm going to have to get up. And I'm going to have to initiate and make my life complete in Christ. Allow Jesus to perform his miraculous interventions into our marriage so that this marriage can be a blessing from God. Be blessed marriages. Singles, if you are here, seek a husband that will bless you. Seek a wife that will help you in your life. Look for what God is calling you to do in this passage and live for God this is consistent, this is true, and this is eternal. In Ephesians chapter five, verse 31 through 32, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So this refers to Christ and the church, but it also refers to us. We, we make a commitment to a woman. We leave and form a new family unit, husband and wife, and I am committed to her. She is mine, and I am hers. I give myself to her for the purpose of God-honoring relationship. I put Christ at the center of this, and I allow God to live in our marriage. This is something that came out of Genesis chapter two, when God said it is good, it is not good for man to live alone. So then they went on a search, and after going through the giraffes and the rhinos and all that, you know, he said, none of this, this doesn't work. God, God put a deep sleep on him and took from his side a bone and made from that rib bone a woman. And I heard this, that in the Hebrew, woman is, ah, she. And I was thinking, I'm sure that's what Adam said, ah, she, when he saw the woman because she was perfect in every way. She was God-given. She was a blessing for him. She was taken from his side and they were to live side by side forever in the Garden of Eden. And then, in a poetic verse, Adam says, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. We are made for each other. We are here for a God-given divine purpose. And we are made to live to glorify his will in our lives. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, the Bible says, however, this is the point, let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So men, love your wives. Men, love your wives, befriend them, care for them, respect them, be there for them 110%, lay your life down for them, be willing and able and capable of doing what you need to do as a man for your family. Women, respect your man, be there for him, love him, care for him, be willing. It's the symbiotic relationship, it's so beautiful. It's like a beautiful dance. Someone's got to lead. There's a role for the leader to direct the dance. But you know what? When they practice over and over and over again, the movements are fluid. They're beautiful. The turns are spot on. And you don't even know. You don't even know who's leading. It's such a beautiful thing. It's masterful. God in this marriage thing between Christ and the church and the husband and the wife. They're here as two people growing closer and closer to God and as they move and flow and exist together, it's a beautiful thing, it's a masterful thing and they are one. They are one because their spirits are the same and it was God-giving and God-honoring. This morning, it is my prayer that God blesses each and every one of you. If there is someone here that is struggling in some way, you look at these verses and you go, man, I've got to apply that to my life. I'm going to pray for you. I'm praying that you apply that to your life. You take that in. You take in this model of a marriage and you say, I can, I, I, can, I can start somewhere because I need that. Don't throw in the towel. You may be at the breaking point. You may be at a point where you're saying, I'm, we're just never getting along. I'm not gonna open that black book in my life, but I'm gonna tell you there was one. There were times where I felt that, I feel that. But I want you to know that Put God at the center of everything 
and persevere and get back to a place where you can give your life back to your wife and love her, action-based, initiative, forward-thinking. It will work. We have a lot of resources at this church. I, I, I ask you to take advantage of the resources. We're gonna have prayer teams here in just a minute. I ask you to take the resource of the power of prayer. Do you pray for your wife? Do you pray for your husband? Are you there for her in such a way that you're leading your family in a spiritual? Do you understand, in a spiritual manner? Do you understand these things that we just read in the Bible? There are so many great books, so many good things written on this subject. And the world is an opportunity to learn, and we have that by God. Let God reign in your lives today. So today, we're gonna, we're gonna have the praise team come in. We're gonna sing some songs. And I, I, I encourage you, I, I just encourage you to take advantage of resources from this church. And I also encourage you to just get on your knees and let God do a mighty work in your life. That's why we're here. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, I just... I thank you so much for my wife, Lord. You have blessed me richly with such a wonderful woman. Thank you, God. Thank you for, for being at the center to the point where, where we made it through and we're here today and we are thankful for all that you've done and blessed us. And Father, I pray a special prayer over everyone here, Father, that that we work together in unity as a church family, that we spur one another on to love and good works, Father, that we live for you mightily, effectively, on point for you, Father, that we take our relationship with you into the sanctity of marriage, Father, and we live it in the most private moments of our lives, no matter what we're facing, whether it's sickness or difficulties in our relationship, no matter where we're coming from, Father, that you just, you just take those things and you work your miraculous will into our lives, Father. We thank you, God, for your word that prevails, and that teaches us, and may we submit to that, Father. And thank you for all the men and women here, all the singles, all the ones that are looking forward to one day to be married. I pray, Father, that you bless richly each person here today. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. <laughs>